Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to air your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that, unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. Let us engage. It is politics done right. Welcome to Politics Done Right from the studios of KPFT 90.1 FM, Houston, your community radio station. We have a great program for you today. It's all about Ukraine, 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 Russia, Russia, Russia. Well, you know what? I think you all are entitled to hear a point of view from somebody worth listening to, Norman Solomon. Uh, he's going to talk to us about this shortly. But, you know, uh, I saw this uh, thing on CNN about this kid, two kids, a white kid and a black kid fighting, and what, how the cops reacted. And it really touched me. So I did a piece on that I want you to listen to. And in that same light, how our criminal justice system is very biased. We have a, we have most of the voter fraud in America is conducted by Republicans and that has been documented. But you know what is interesting? Uh, this wasn't voter fraud. This was a woman who had a felony who attempted to go ahead and register after she fulfilled her her probation, and she got locked up for six years, or that's what they sentenced her to, talking about equal justice under the law. So we are going to tackle that. We also tackle a few other uh, issues that I think you'll find quite interesting. So stick around. We have a great, great show for you, and I think you're going to enjoy it all. We have about five or six stories to cover. Politics Done Right has wonderful donors, and I'd, I always like to make sure to mention them. Let's go ahead and give a big shout out to Lisa Garrett in Huntsville, Texas, Jeff Reese in Houston, Texas. Mike Franklin, Spring, Texas, Dan Limbaugh, Magnolia, Texas, Andrea Gardner, Huntsville, Texas, Bruce Allen, Houston, Texas, Bruce Pollard, Porter, Texas, and John Schweger, Houston, Texas. Look, folks, we cannot keep this station alive without you. So join those wonderful people and become a part of the politics done right on KPFT Posse because you are the ones who allow this stuff to continue. You are the ones that allow us to do what we are able to do. You are the ones that are ensuring that your 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 friends, your families who otherwise won't know things in a certain wouldn't know things accurately get it because you have become investors in the truth. Investors in the truth. We are in our winter fund drive, but folks, please stick with me. I'm not just going to give you a fun drive pitch. I'm not just going to be doing a whole lot of pitching and pitching and pitching. I'm going to do a short pitch here at the beginning. I'm going to do a slight little pitch in the middle. And then at the end, a small pitch. It's, don't forget, please support the show. Support the station as well. Why am I asking you to support KPFT 90.1 FM Houston? It is extremely important. Remember that KPFT embraces cultural diversity. We represent the entire Houston, the entire metropolitan area. We represent the entire 
country. KPFT supports programming that's not the status quo. We challenge the status quo. We don't give you what the corporatocracy just want to give you. We are here to tell you not only the truth, but to express it in a way that we all understand. That's KPFT's job. We are not trying to forget the past. We embrace the past. And we are there to celebrate the future because things change. What am I saying? Please remember KPFT 90.1 FM is a gem. We are in the process of moving. We are in the process of relocating to a new space. We need you more than we have ever needed you before to keep this thing going. Over 50 years of giving you great info, not only progressive programming, but alternative pro- uh, programming. What do we mean by alternative programming, we mean things that you are not going to get elsewhere. We also mean telling you the truth about things that others may not want you to know. So please remember, folks, call 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. But even better, visit kpft.org, click the donate button, make sure you select politics done right for the program. The form will give you your donate and gift options. Please get one of my several books out there. As I see it, Class Warfare, the only resort to right-wing doom for a contribution of $120. It's worth it. How to talk to your right-wing relatives, friends, and neighbors for a contribution of $120. How to make America utopia, take away the economy from those who rigged it for a pledge of $120. Get any two of those books for $200, any three of those books for $250. The Contributions for my books go directly to support our station, KPFT 90.1 FM. Alternatively, folks, please get your basic KPFT-only membership for $40, a Pacifica-only membership for $25, or choose from one of our many other gifts for your contribution. Just go to kpft.org, choose Politics Done Right for the program, and select an option either for our books or something else to support the station. It is definitely worth it. What I say, let's get busy. We always talk about voter suppression and nobody wants to talk about our unjust, unjust, our unjust justice system. I want you to listen to this snippet that I just kind of shrank down from Rachel Maddow. And if this doesn't, if this doesn't teach you something and tell you something, I don't know what will check this out. What do these four people all have in common? You might recognize some of them, you might not. But what they do have in common is something pretty specific. All four of these men were all found guilty of committing voter fraud in the 2020 election. Gentleman in the upper left, he's a Republican from Nevada. His wife died several years ago. Uh, He nevertheless filled out her ballot and cast it in the presidential election. He then participated in efforts with the Nevada Republican Party to claim that his dead wife's ballot being cast in the election must mean there was mass voter fraud by Democrats. He is the one who cast his dead wife's ballot. He's a Republican. He got caught. He was sentenced to probation. That's the guy in the upper left. Guy in the upper right, uh, he's a Republican elected official from Ohio. In his case, it was his father who died and he cast his dead father's ballot in the 2020 election. That Ohio Republican official was sentenced to a grand total of three days in jail. I uh, keep going clockwise. The gentleman on the lower right, he's from Pennsylvania. Uh, in his case, 
it was his mother who had died. He nevertheless cast her ballot for Donald Trump in the 2020 election. He was caught. He got probation. And then the last guy, lower left there, he's another Pennsylvania Republican whose mother also died. Apparently, he couldn't help himself. He cast a ballot in her name in the 2020 election. He got caught. He got probation. There was no large-scale fraud of any kind in the 2020 election. There were a handful of sort of pitiful individual voter fraud cases like this, voting twice effectively, using a dead relative's ballot, that sort of thing. And in a handful of cases, the ones involving these Republican guys that I just showed you, for example, in a handful of cases, we have seen those cases fully adjudicated already. They've made their way all the way through the criminal justice system. And of those four cases, we know one guy got three days in jail and the rest just got probation. That's what the those guys have in common. Now, this is Pamela Moses of Memphis, Tennessee. This week, Ms. Moses was also sentenced for a crime related to her efforts to vote in the 2020 election. Ms. Moses had a felony conviction in Tennessee that legally resulted in her not being allowed to vote again in that state. But she says that nobody ever told her that that particular conviction meant that she couldn't vote. And her county elections board admits in writing that despite her conviction, they never actually took her off the voting rolls. A probation officer with the Tennessee Department of Corrections even wrote her a note, filled out an official certificate saying that Ms. Moses was eligible to vote. Ms. Moses turned in that certificate from the probation officer along with her voter registration application. And for that grave crime, she was just sentenced in Tennessee. What was her sentence? She got six years in prison. That has just happened this week in Tennessee. What's the big difference between Pam Moses in Tennessee and all those other guys who actually cast illegal ballots in the name of relatives they definitely knew were dead? All of those guys got probation in one case, three days in jail. She got six years in prison for trying to register to vote after she had received an official certificate from the probation the probation department telling her it was okay if she registered to vote. Six years in prison is her sentence. Seriously. And this is not like some historic crime that we're uncovering. That just happened this week. I want you to see how even, even the vice president's chief of staff couldn't quite rid himself of the fascist nature of the Republican Party, even as he's looking for plausibility in case the fascists lose. Check this out. We'll take it on the other side. Uh, let me start with the motivation of your former boss, um, Vice President, former Vice President Pence, and why this week that he chose that he chose to give a big form to this this week. Why? Well, Chuck, I think that, uh, as you mentioned, the vice president has commented on January 6th on several occasions, mm-hmm. including last summer at the Ronald Reagan Library. Um, and he extended those remarks a little bit this week at the Federalist Society, primarily because the, the president's comments about uh, the, the vice president had the ability to overturn the election, I think, merited response. There's, of course, there's nothing in the 12th Amendment or the Electoral Count Act that would afford a vice president that authority. It's why no vice president in 200 years has ever used that authority. And it's certainly not one that I think conservatives or Republicans would want Kamala Harris, the ability to say she's going to reject votes from Texas or Wyoming or any other state heading into 2024. Well, why did he stop there? Why didn't he say, look, it's been a year. Uh, there's just no evidence out there. This was a free and fair election. Um, the Trump-Pence ticket lost. How come he didn't go that far? 
Well, Chuck, I think like a lot of people, the vice president has significant concerns about the election. I think, and because of COVID, still because of COVID, sure. I think that a lot of us do. But there's been, there's been no evidence there, of fraud. There, there you could disagree. Was, you could disagree on the election law, but yeah. no, but yeah, I, so I understand I think, that. But. So I think there were significant concerns about what transpired in Pennsylvania, what transpired in Wisconsin, what transpired in Georgia when you said you had a matching signatures, you didn't. You had election officials overruling state officials and saying we'll keep the balloting open, allowed universal access and. In balloting. But at the same time, the Constitution is clear as what that process is. You're afforded a chance to challenge. You're afforded a chance to bring legal challenges. But at the point of the Electoral College meeting on December 14th, at that point, the process is concluded. And that's why the Constitution wanted the states the ability to certify elections and not for the federal government. Do you believe Joe Biden was a legitimately elected president? Does the I, former vice president I believe, believe that? I believe that Joe Biden is, is duly elected president of the United States. Yes. Legitimately so. The election was legitimate. I you may disagree with voting procedures, but the election itself I, was legitimate. Well, I mean, I think that's the same, it's the same question. I think that there were significant concerns about the process of that election that's mm-hmm. gonna that's gonna create a cloud. Um, but I think, Chuck, at the same time, to your point, the campaign had opportunities to bring that evidence up mm-hmm. till December 14th and didn't. And so I think at this point you have to assume that he was duly elected. And the reality is that there was not enough significant fraud that was presented that would have mm-hmm. overturned any of those states' elections. Doesn't it say a lot that a year later that any that actually the more evidence has shown that no fraud happened. I mean, doesn't that even reinforce this even more a year later? As I said, I think there are significant concerns, and I'm glad many states are looking to rectify, Chuck, but I, I've acknowledged that the president's duly elected. So as you can see, even as he understood, even as he understood what went on on January 6th, even as he understood that it's a big lie, he still had to try to mitigate it somehow right? That just maybe there were really some problems elsewhere. Well, as I've stated before, yes, we've seen voter fraud before. Yes, even during this election, there was voter fraud. Unfortunately, all the voter fraud that has been uncovered thus far has been uh, Donald Trump voters trying to vote twice or trying to use dead people to vote. It's amazing how projection works. The things that you are accusing others of are the things that you actually do yourself. One of the things that people always talk about, right? Whenever we talk about police bias, people say, oh, it's in your imagination. But they don't only say that it's in our imagination. They make it believe like the circumstances were different. What I love about this video that I'm going to show you right now is we didn't have to talk about different circumstances. We just knew several things. We knew the police approached two fighting teens. We know the police did not know which teen instigated the violence. And we know that the police showed two distinctly different ways of dealing with the teens. When we've talked about having to teach, the, you know, put more money elsewhere, this is why we're saying, because the police is inherently, inherently an institution that has prejudice within its core. I want you to watch this, and then we'll take it on the other side. You cannot now say, oh, it's different circumstances because this was the same event. Check this out. Oh, 
it's because he's black. Racially motivated. Now, if that doesn't tell the entire story, two teenagers fighting. The police approach. The police doesn't know who threw the first punch, if it's just a regular combined dispute with both of them just as guilty or what. What they do is they kindly put the white kid to sit down in the chair. They leave him alone. He's not a threat. And they jump on the back of the black kid, pin him down. After the other cop, instead of staying with the other perpetrator of violence, that what did they do? They went and put their knees on the back of the black kid. Now, this is the same event. Many times, whenever we bring these stories up, people say, oh, my God, these, it's, these are different storylines. You can't compare apples and oranges. Well, this was the same event. And, you know, for those who say, oh, this is one instance we have seen this repeated over and over and over again. And it gets old when we constantly have to hear that this isn't real. You know, they always talk about the reason why they use that overpowering force is to protect the cops against the potential of somebody getting hurt. Well, these were two teenagers, right? Fighting with their hands. You know, the olden days, that's how we used to do it. I don't know about you guys, but in the olden days, yo, yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to enjoy doing the little fight here and there. That's what these guys were doing. In fact, the black kid was protecting, from what I understand, uh, a kid from being bullied by the white guy. And in the fight, in the process, the cops pull the white kid off, puts him in the chair. And forgets about him. He could have been armed. He could have had a gun. He could have had a knife. And then they jumped on the back of the black kid. And note, when they came, the white kid was on top of the black kid, beating the black kid, right? So it's not like you can say, oh, the black kid was overpowering the other guy. The only difference that was in that particular story was that we saw how the police react to two boys in a fight. Everything else equal. And they were nice to one, and they treated the other one like an animal. This is a constancy. Let me be frank. I've had good. Uh, I've had several good interactions with cops. In fact, I got a cop commended because of how well he treated me. I blogged about it. I threw it up on the radio on KPFT ninety point one, and the, his sergeant heard about it. Uh, called me up or emailed. I don't remember what happened. But uh, after speaking to me and reading my blog, that particular officer got a commendation for being a good officer after I reported about it. So, you know, I report the good and the bad. But the problem is that there are too many of them that are bad. And when I say too many that are bad, even those that don't do anything bad but are complicit, they are bad. Okay, because if they know of what's going on and they allow it to continue and they don't report it through the grapevine or whatever, they're bad. What happened to that young kid immediately showed that 14 year, I think it was 14 or something like that. Those two kids learned something very important from adults. They learned something very important. You know, you may just look at it as, okay, the black kid got thrown in for the cops made a mistake, but he didn't only make a mistake. He said he showed a supremacy 
in 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 how in thought in the thought process of teenagers, every single one of them watching there, every single one of them say, "What's the point? What's the point of being good?" It was said that the black kid was dis- de- defending another kid, another kid. Okay, what's the point in being good? I'm, he may go and say, "Look at this, I am doing good." And I am the one that slammed on the ground, thrown uh, uh, handcuffs, thrown on. What's the point? So when these when these police officers do bad, when they take when when they they show their vile racism, and they do bad, it doesn't only affect that particular incident, but every kid that was watching know that ah, if I do this, I can get away with it, and he doesn't. That's why you can have that woman in Central Park saying, um, it, uh, you know, when she got mad at this black guy who told her to be quiet with her dog or something with her dog, she wanted to lash back. And she just said, hey, I'm going to call the cops and said, you said that you, you try to attack me or whatever. She already knew what was going to happen, what would have happened. That's what it's all about. And that's what those kids who watched that learned as well. There's a distinct difference in policing in America. And for all those folks that go out there and want to put their heads in the sand and, oh, it's not true, it's your imagination or the situations are different. This particular incident showed differences were not there. In fact, you saw from the beginning the white guy as the aggressor and the black guy paid for it through the cops why you know what's to give when these guys throw their hands up in the air and say why be good doesn't pay that's how some of them would look at it i am there to tell them you always be good you always be moral you always do the right thing but that one incident with that those cops proved to them that they were the lesser being, that those cops treated, not they were the lesser being, those cops treated them like the lesser being. Katie Porter had something to say about not only Nancy Pelosi, but she had something to say about politicians who want to make money on stocks. In effect, insider trading. So I want you to hear this and then we'll take it on the other side. There's a funny quirk about being in government and playing the stock market that was noticed by an economist a few years ago, specifically that members of Congress earned higher than average returns on their investments. While it's possible that some members of their or their stockbrokers could have particularly apt instincts in this regard, there's some clearly problematic patterns. This kind of thing happens all the time in Congress. So if you're wondering why this type of trading by members has not been addressed before, well, here's the thing. It kind of has. Back in 2012, Congress passed the Stock Act, meant to prohibit members of Congress from using non-public information for personal benefit. But with fines of just a few hundred dollars, legislators continue to buy and sell hundreds of millions of stocks each year, raising some very clear ethical, if not legal, questions. Back in December, there was a push to ban this trading, but Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi opposed it, saying, quote, we're a free market economy. Well, it appears she has since changed her mind, saying today she is open to a ban on owning and trading individual stocks for members of Congress and also those in the judicial branch. Let me give the devil's advocate case here, which is just that, hey, members of Congress are just people. They have uh, investments and it's just going to 
coincidentally intersect. You're doing stuff in the public interest. You're taking investment advice. It doesn't mean that it's corrupt. The problem here is not just one of actual corruption. It's also one of perception. The American people simply do not trust our federal government in many cases. And this is an example. Only about one in four Americans trust leaders in Washington to do what's right. So we need to be earning back their trust. And the way to do that is to hold ourselves to a higher standard. And so we need to simply ban trading stocks by members of Congress. There's a lot of bipartisan support for this. It's become a kind of... um populist issue, even with folks like Matt Gates, for instance. There's folks on the on the right who really love it. Um, the speaker was resistant. There's some reporting today that uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and others might have been uh, organizing a discharge position, which is a way of going around House leadership uh, to get something to the floor. What? How do you understand what appears to be a change of heart from Democratic House leader, uh, uh, Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi? Well, Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi was wrong. I'm glad that she's changed her mind. I think that's a marker of leadership. But, you know, the reality is I am always willing to stand up to leaders of both parties, including my own party. And I'm really gratified here that she is changing her mind. She said when she initially was asked about this, that we have a free market economy. Well, she would also be the first, I think, to say that we have a free democracy. And that means what the American people want, what they feel strongly about, what they need to trust their leaders, we should be delivering. And that's what I think her change in position is signal. Yeah, we should know that the polling on this is pretty, you know, you're, you're getting 80 percent of Republicans and Democrats on on, on congressional stock it does seem I, like I find that reassuring, Chris, that the American people across the board understand that we need to be able to trust our elected leaders. We have a lot of bad news about democracy, a lot of views about polarization right now. But the fact that we see that kind of widespread polling, that 80 percent of Americans understand that elected leaders should be putting the people's interests before their own interests reassures me a lot. We absolutely so reassuring, reassuring, reassuring. Anyhow, you notice that the difference between uh, this crop of Democrats compared to, let's say, Republicans who will never go against leadership. You notice how she said we can go against our leadership and Nancy Pelosi on this issue was wrong. And she came around uh, because the pressure was on. Imagine if the Republicans had put pressure on Donald Trump. We likely would not have had over 900,000 dead Americans right now because he would have been forced to do something about the virus earlier on as opposed to hiding it and allow it to spread indiscriminately as he allowed it to spread and thus cause this eternal infection in the country. Don't forget, please support the show. Support the station as well. Why am I asking you to support KPFT 90.1 FM Houston? It is extremely important. Remember that KPFT embraces cultural diversity. We represent the entire Houston, the entire metropolitan area. We represent the entire country. KPFT supports programming that's not the status quo. We challenge the status quo. We don't give you what the corporatocracy just want to give you. We are here to tell you not only the truth, but to express it in a way that we all understand. That's KPFT's job. We are not trying to forget the past. We embrace the past and we are there to celebrate the future because things change. What am I saying? Please remember KPFT 90.1 FM is a gem. We are in the process of moving. We are in the process of relocating to a new space. We need you more than we have 
ever needed you before to keep this thing going. Over 50 years of giving you great info, not only progressive programming, but alternative uh, programming. What do we mean by alternative programming, we mean things that you are not going to get elsewhere. We also mean telling you the truth about things that others may not want you to know. So please remember, folks, call 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. But even better, visit kpft.org, click the donate button, make sure you select politics done right for the program. The form will give you your donate and gift options. Please get one of my several books out there. As I see it, Class Warfare, the only resort to right-wing doom for a contribution of $120. It's worth it. How to talk to your right-wing relatives, friends, and neighbors for a contribution of $120. How to make America utopia, take away the economy from those who rigged it for a pledge of $120. Get any two of those books for $200, any three of those books for $250. Contributions from my books go directly to support our station, KPFT 90.1 FM. Alternatively, folks, please get your basic KPFT-only membership for $40, a Pacifica-only membership for $25, or choose from one of our many other gifts for your contribution. Just go to kpft.org. Choose Politics Done Right for the program and select an option either for our books or something else to support the station. It is definitely worth it. Al Franken made me laugh with this one, and I think it'll make a lot of you laugh. Al Franken decided to, you know, uh, the Republicans have just came out with a thing that says um, what occurred in Washington was legitimate political discourse. In other words, insurrection was Legitimate political discourse. So Al Franken had something to say about that. And I thought he said it without saying it in an interesting manner. Check it out. Senator Franken, what do you make of this split in the Republican Party? You worked with Mitch McConnell. Uh, Do you get the sense he's sincere or sincerely worried at least? Well, if I were him, I would have been PO'd at the Republican National Committee. I mean, they basically just announced that they're kind of crazy. I mean, no one can look at that and go that was legitimate political discourse, gouging out the eyes of police, which Capitol Police, which they did. Police lost their fingers. They had tremendous uh, brain damage. They broke vertebrae. The, the people who went in there smeared feces on the walls. Uh, the American people saw that. This, I believe the Republican National Committee voted that unanimously. I think they're showing what the Republican Party is now, which is in the thrall of Donald Trump. That may be a vast majority of the Republican Party, but I think independents and, and Democrats, obviously, are looking at that and going like, oh, we, 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 it's very dangerous. It's very, very dangerous. But obviously there's some calculus there. I don't think there was some calculus there. No. <laughs> I, think, I think that's their problem. I don't think there was any calculus there. I think I, I think that they're not only dangerous, but they're kind of stupid. We spend a lot. Now, when he talks about there's no calculus there, uh, I, I, I sort of disagree with him. There's a calculus. This is to get through the primaries. And after they get through the primaries, the expectation is that the folks who need them to be that crazy in the primaries 
will continue to vote Republican absolutely, and then they will moderate their message with the expectation that they can get some crossover votes who just don't like the way they talk about those liberals. But I, 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 am, I beg to differ. I have, I have a message out that I want to talk to the judges in Houston and other places. And I want to make sure, because I don't think the Democratic Party is doing itself a service right now. I don't want the Democratic Party defending anything these guys are saying. I want the Democratic Party to defend nothing. There's nothing the, 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 the Democratic Party needs to defend at this point in time. What I want the Democratic doing is going on the offense. And they need to go out and say they are killing people. This is what we want to do. They are starving people. This is what they're denying us from doing. They are, and, and if you want these things done, which you say you want, you cannot vote for those who will take those things away. Do you doubt whether they took it away already? Check out what Manchin and Cinema did. They didn't pass the bill back better. That $300 per child credit, gone, evaporated. Do you want more of that evaporated? You got a taste of what good government was about. You also got a good taste of what bad government does. Do you want horrendous government now to take care of you? We have an assertive message to give. There is another, there is another piece that I, I, I think I played it yesterday as far as uh, where Chris Hayes said, when are Democrats going to start running on their successes? When are they going to start running that assertive message? Bankruptcies, the lowest it has ever been. Do we have problems with unemployment and uh, from people of color being below? Yes. Has it always been that way? Yes. How do we solve it? The policies that we spoke about earlier that comes in big back, build back better are there. So the, do the POCs who don't get the voting rights bills passed now have an incentive to still fight their way to the vote? Of course they do. And instead of playing the games, remember, there are those who are playing the game that need us to believe we're going to lose to make it a self-fulfilling prophecy. It is on us to ensure that doesn't happen. Yesterday, Eric Hayes brought up something about, you know, um, pipes, crack pipes. And I know I know it was silly, okay? And I know it was the right-wing media trying to instigate something because no, 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 no president is going to do such a thing. But yesterday, in watching it, I was watching Joy and Reed, and I said, ah, oh, that's what Eric was talking about. So let's just put what, let's put what Eric was speaking about, about crack pipes and Biden into context. Check this out. We'll take it on the other side. Okay, how many of y'all remember the classic comedy Friday, co-starring the late great comedian Anthony A.J. Johnson, in which he plays Ezel, whose vice in 1990s Los Angeles is crack. Crack is whack. Well, there is a bizarre and viral new lie ripping through the interwebs right now, claiming that the, the Biden administration is supposedly spending 30 million of your tax dollars on crack pipes. Crack pipes. Come on now. Joe Biden. This Joe Biden. Dealing from 1600 PA? Y'all know that is absolutely not happening in all of America and God, right? 
But before you could say the shade room, which later posted a correction, this lie, which was launched on conservative sites, had spread all over the web and social media, including on sites frequented by black and younger readers. Huh, wonder why? Wonder what's behind a strategy associating Joe Biden with crack. Even Republican electeds like Marco Rubio joined it. Well, please take a moment to call Uncle Roscoe or your ornery cousin to the screen for just a second, because these are the facts. There is a drug abuse and overdose crisis in America, and not just crack, also cocaine, heroin, meth, hey, rural America, and prescription drugs, too. Ever since the 1990s, the federal government has offered harm reduction tools to try to minimize the risks. That includes safe smoking kits, which contain materials to help prevent disease transmission. But the Biden version? Do not contain crack pipes. Do not. Because that would be dumb and probably illegal, too. The goal is to save lives, not get people to start using drugs. Now, be blessed and go back to reading Facebook and Instagram for fun and not the news. So I hope, Eric, you stand corrected on and and maybe you should atone. Maybe you should come and say, I am so sorry for trying to stamp that onto Brother Biden. Jensaki didn't hold back here. It, it is interesting, right? Because uh, when she confronts the the neophyte of a reporter, that's what she, that's how she sounds anyway. She says, "Hey, you, you know," the re- reporter says, "Hey, um, a lot of people are asking why did you do things this way or whatever." And she says, "Who's asking?" And the girl says, "Oh, there are a lot of people. Who, who are these? A lot of people. A lot of Republicans. Which Republicans are you talking about?" And then she goes ahead, and she could. The only person she could think about is. Mitch McConnell. So therefore, Jen Psaki had a specific message for Mitch McConnell on Afghanistan. And what was great is for once I saw the administration really stand up for ending a 20-year debacle. Uh, You take a look at how she defines it. Take a listen to this. We'll take it on the other side. The president has frequently talked about getting out of Afghanistan as a, as a major event. It has impacted his polling. This is an, a current event that is underway. The question is, what does the administration say to critics who are looking at these two events and questioning this administration's foreign policy approach? Who is questioning us? Give me Plenty of Republicans. Like who? I could name off any number of Republicans. I I'd love it, to know a name. Goodness. Um, Mitch McConnell. Okay. Well, here's what I would say to Mr. McConnell. Uh, The president ended a 20-year war in Afghanistan, uh, a war that had cost us thousands of American lives, uh, billions, trillions of dollars, and was a failed enterprise after 20 years. He was the first president to do that after many of his predecessors failed to take exactly that step. Uh, We knew it would be complicated. We knew it would be challenging. He had the courage to get our troops out of there and end a 20-year war. This is entirely different because we are not ending a 20-year war. We are trying to prevent war here. We are trying to keep American citizens safe uh, in Ukraine by encouraging them to depart, by providing them information about what the security circumstances are on the ground. And I think it's important for the American public to understand the significant differences between these different scenarios. Yes, it was a total failure. And every subs- uh, previous administration failed to do what needed to get done there. And that was to get Americans the hell out of Afghanistan. We don't need to be in these places killing, uh, or rather getting, uh, getting American boys and girls. 
killed, getting a lot of innocent people killed. At the same time, the defense industrial complex is populated with a whole lot of money to build bombs that just go ahead and kill, destroy, build more bombs. They get richer, kill, destroy. Invest that money in our students. Invest that money in the kids that need care. Invest that money in the hospitals. Invest that money in healthcare. That is what we need to do. We don't need to be dropping all the bombs. You know who knows about this kind of stuff? The other country that was attempting capitalism called China. Oh, no, China is not a free market capitalist country. Oh, China is a, a capitalist country on steroids, and they're going around the world making everybody think they're nice while we're going around the world dropping bombs. I tell you something, uh, both, both, both countries leadership and economic leadership for that leaves a lot wait, want leaves a lot wanting for the average average american citizen but jen saki in the way she handled the afghanistan question here perfecto today we are honored to have norman solomon he's a co-founder and national coordinator of rootsaction.org.org his book include war made easy how presidents and pundits keep spinning us to death Printed in 2006, and made love got war. Make love but got war. Close encounters with America's warfare state. Senor Solomon, welcome to Politics Done Right once again. How are you doing today? Oh, just very well, and I'm so glad to be with you again. Well, look, uh, you always have something to say, and you always have something to nourish people's minds uh, with. So, thank you so kind for being out here with us. Let's talk Ukraine. I want to get right into it because this is an issue that I don't quite understand as I should. What the hell is the problem? What are we doing over there right after leaving Afghanistan? Well, of course, it's complicated in Ukraine, and I don't want to claim to be an expert on the country, but I do have, I think, a good grasp of what's happening politically in the United States vis-a-vis -vis the conflict with Russia and that whole NATO situation. I'm reminded of a book that the novelist Norman Mailer wrote, and the title was, Why Are We in Vietnam? And the word Vietnam did not appear until the last page of the book. And I think this was a way of saying that the internal dynamics and the domestic needs of certain powerful forces really guide foreign policy. And it was true in the 1960s, and I think it's true in 2022. There is, after all, a history where the United States as we remember, for 20 years in Afghanistan. And you cannot sell enough weapons to the Pentagon if you're withdrawing from countries. And so this is not a conspiracy theory. It's just to say that tremendous amounts of profits are being made from these arms sales to the Pentagon. And let's face it, huge amounts of weapons are now being shipped by the United States into Ukraine and the surrounding region. I am so happy that you brought up the defense industrial complex and the need to feed the animal because I've been speaking about that for some time, but having you uh, corroborate that stuff, it, it, it is, it is, it makes a hell of a lot of sense. Now, there is something that I want to back up to, something that was in your article that I actually learned, and that was I didn't realize there's a tacit agreement between the United States and Russia that uh, NATO would not have expanded. And now that NATO has expanded and uh, Russia may be a bit concerned about Ukraine going into NATO, it seems to me 
like a lot of the American people don't understand that there is another level of indirection to this entire Ukraine issue. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, about that? Yes, something that we know from our own lives, if we've been fairly alert by the time we're you know, adults, walk a mile in my shoes is very helpful. If we don't think about how somebody else might see the world, we're going to get into all sorts of conflicts. It's not just me, me, me. But in foreign policy, often when you're the biggest power on the planet, there's this tremendous temptation often fulfilled United States of America. It's all about us. Well, anybody who's been overseas in other countries and talked to people likely noticed that not everybody wants to just defer to Uncle Sam. So in this situation, if we imagine that a Russian-led military alliance invited Canada or Mexico as allies and started shipping weapons uh, through Mexico City to the border areas uh, of Mexico next to Texas, what do you think the response from Washington would be? I mean, the question answers itself. Absolutely intolerable. We had a Cuban Missile Crisis with uh, real dangerous stupidity on both sides in 1962 when there were missiles put in Cuba. So when we turned around, walk a mile in my shoes, look out the window at the Kremlin and you see the United States after promising, and this is documented, now the National Security Archive has published these documents. Then Secretary of State James Baker said uh, in 1990, when the Berlin Wall was falling, promised then Soviet Union becoming Russia, not one inch eastward will NATO expand. That promise has been broken time and again, a dozen times moving up to the Russian border. And so now Ukraine, which is a hugely important country for Russia on the border, not really that important to the US, now it's just for Russian policymakers, the idea that Ukraine would become part of NATO is just intolerable. And yet, you know, we look at the news media in this country, that is barely mentioned. You know, it, it is sad because uh, many, many, uh, you're speaking about this today. And when this go out, there are some people that are going to make, make the, give the impression that what you are is pro-Russian or that what you are is anti-American because you're simply telling some geopolitical truths. Now, I think if more Americans understood that, look, we don't have, as a country, we don't have the best records in keeping uh, the, the, the keeping to the treaties that we sign. Ask the natives, ask uh, the folks who thought they were going to get 40 acres and a mule, ask all these people whether or not we honor uh, agreements, whether written or verbalized. We generally don't. And this is another instance, and I, I mean, this is an instance that could cause Severe, a severe problem to the American people. Why don't you kind of expand on that? Absolutely. I, I think you encapsulated and telescoped this just profound truth. The history of the United States, and I'm not just talking centuries ago, I'm talking recent years. The U.S. not only cast the first stone, but the second and the third, because we're the biggest on the block. We have the most powerful military on and on. During the Vietnam War, one of the two senators to vote against the awful Gulf of Tonkin resolution, Senator Wayne Moore said, might does not make right. It's just as wrong when we do it as when Russia does it. And when you set that climate where, OK, we can invade one country after another, it becomes very clear to other countries. You can't trust Uncle Sam. 
I was blown away. I heard Michael McFaul, the former Obama ambassador uh, to the uh, Kremlin, to Moscow, on the BBC the other day, and he's saying it elsewhere. We can't have an international order when one country can just go around invading another. Well, sure, I agree with that. But how can the United States, after invading Afghanistan, invading Iraq and continuing wars there for decades, we're going around and we're preaching to other people? We're, we're telling Russia on your own border, just shut up because it doesn't concern you that we're shipping weapons into this country that's right next to you? Um, you were actually being pretty kind. I mean, you didn't mention Panama. You didn't mention yes. Granada. You didn't mention all the, all the South American incursions. I mean, the truth of the matter is, uh, we don't. One, one likes, one would respect leading by example, and we don't quite do that. And it's not anti-American or unpaid. In fact, I think it is anti-American not to let the American populace understand what's being done in their on their behalf or in their names. Because one, many times we ask, why don't they like us? It's not that they don't like us, they love us. They don't just don't like what our government go, go out there and does. Your you know, point. Director, you're reminding me of a bumper sticker that I saw when the US invaded Iraq and it had a picture of the American flag and it said, these colors don't run the world. And that's a real hard one for some mm -hmm. Americans to swallow that we don't just get to tell other countries and work our will uh, diplomatically and, if necessary, militarily. The first anti-war demonstration I ever went to was April 15th, 1967, in New York City. And that was a week and a half after Martin Luther King Jr. gave his now famous speech at Riverside Church. And he said, quite candidly, in his words, that the United States was the biggest purveyor of violence on the planet. Yes. And here we are, well into the third decade of the 21st century, and you look at Afghanistan, you look at Iraq, you look at our history, that is unfortunately still the case. It is, it, it is sad. And again, I, I think the, the most patriotic thing people like you are doing is out there telling the truth, telling it like it is. Out of your article, and folks, the name of the article is in the Salon magazine, or Salon, uh, Salon website. It's U.S. Hypocrisy on Ukraine Paralyzes Media, Congress, and Even Progressive Democrats. And in that article, he lays out, Norman Solomon lays out perfectly how we, the people, the fourth estate has given our government a pass. Uh, Democrats, uh, which are the, in government, has given reality a pass. Look, that was an excellent article that I think everybody needs to read. Everybody needs to understand. It is not an pro-Russian article. It's just a fact-based article that all need to read and would make us a hell of a lot more educated. Um, I always ask my uh, the folks that I question, what would you have liked me to ask you uh, that I didn't? And, and please make it as expansive as possible, because like I said, you're the one who knows quite a bit more about Ukraine and what's going on there than I do that my audience would definitely appreciate. Well, I think as walking on two legs, the understanding and analysis is, they're crucial. And also, it's the action is crucial. And I'm so proud to work with a team at rootsaction.org because we started with no one on our email list. We now have 1.2 million in the United States. And everybody watching and listening is invited. If you're not getting our action alerts, you can join with other people 
it's domestic issues, healthcare, housing, the environment, it's overseas foreign policy issues like we're talking about. Please join us at rootsaction.org. I think an underlying question is one of the key ones is how does this connect to the suffering that goes on in the United States and the way in which 55 plus percent of the discretionary budget of the federal government goes to the military. And this is just uh, really violence, even, and he was no radical. Dwight Eisenhower said every bomber, every plane, every tank is in a real sense a theft from the children of the world. And that includes in our country. We have healthcare rates. We have suffering and deaths among children that are worse than in some of the most impoverished third world countries. We have to change this. It's really about priorities. Rootsaction.org, folks. Please sign up at rootsaction.org. Norman Solomon, co-founder and national coordinator of rootsaction.org. Thank you so kindly, first of all, for all the work that you do. Secondly, for keeping us up to date with articles like you've like, like you've had at Salon, and just for being here to expose our audience with the truth, with information to nourish your minds. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right, Norman Solomon. Well, thank you. And thanks for Politics Done Right, all you're doing. And everybody listening and watching, please support this program. Thank you so kindly. Don't forget, please support the show. Support the station as well. Why am I asking you to support KPFT 90.1 FM Houston? It is extremely important. Remember that KPFT embraces cultural diversity. We represent the entire Houston, the entire metropolitan area. We represent the entire country. KPFT supports programming that's not the status quo. We challenge the status quo. We don't give you what the corporatocracy just want to give you. We are here to tell you not only the truth, but to express it in a way that we all understand. That's KPFT's job. We are not trying to forget the past. We embrace the past and we are there to celebrate the future because things change. What am I saying? Please remember KPFT 90.1 FM is a gem. We are in the process of moving. We are in the process of relocating to a new space. We need you more than we have ever needed you before to keep this thing going. Over 50 years of giving you great info, not only progressive programming, but alternative pro uh, programming. What do we mean by alternative programming, we mean things that you are not going to get elsewhere. We also mean telling you the truth about things that others may not want you to know. So please remember, folks, call 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. But even better, visit kpft.org. Click the donate button. Make sure you select Politics Done Right for the program. The form will give you your donate and gift options. Please remember to keep your community radio station in your minds. Keep KPFT on your mind. Talk about it. Tell your friends about it. Tell them you know about this station in town, 90.1 FM Houston, that needs your support. That is there to provide that nourishment that we need. KPFT 90.1 FM Houston. You can listen 
and or watch Politics Done Right Mondays through Fridays on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash politics done right or on YouTube Live at politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. Please do not forget to follow me on Twitter for updates. My Twitter handle is at Egberto Willis, at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L. I-E-S. But don't you forget, listen to us live on air at KPFT 90.1 FM on Thursdays at noon and at Fridays at 11 a.m. all central time. Please get one of my several books out there. As I see it, Class Warfare, the only resort to right-wing doom for a contribution of $120. It's worth it. How to talk to your right-wing relatives, friends, and neighbors for a contribution of $120. How to make America utopia, take away the economy from those who rigged it for a pledge of $120. Get any two of those books for $200, any three of those books for $250. The Contributions for my books go directly to support our station, KPFT 90.1 FM. Alternatively, folks, please get your basic KPFT-only membership for $40, a Pacifica-only membership for $25, or choose from one of our many other gifts for your contribution. Just go to kpft.org. Choose Politics Done Right for the program and select an option either for our books or something else to support the station. It is definitely worth it. Well, folks, that's it for today. You know how I'm going to end this baby. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to hear your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that, unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. 